How should CIOs prioritize investment during 2021? To learn more, we speak with Bill Briggs, the Global Chief Technology Officer of Deloitte. This is time, CXO Talk time number three or four? Three, three, three I think. Maybe, uh, maybe for sure three. Okay, for sure. Who knows? <laughs> I told you, if we get to five, I expect the Five Timers Club, like Saturday Night Live, some kind of uh, a special celebration. But um, it's well, great to be here. Well, you know, if we get to five, then uh, that will hopefully mean that we're out of this pandemic and maybe we can get together and have a cup of coffee or a beer or something like that. Amen. In fact, the last time we spoke was uh, March of last year, and it was right before my last flight. So I went from a different city every day to um, within this 10 feet of my office in the last since since, since March. So anyway. Uh. <laughs> well, well, Bill, tell us about the Tech Trends report with emphasis on the implications or the impacts on chief information officers. So it's the 12th year we've done our tech trends research. And we've always said, let's take a 18 to 24 month view. So it's it's pragmatic in its prognostication. You know, so things you can look at and real examples of real organizations around the globe harnessing the, the technologies. So the, the, the mission it started with the CIO, the tech executive, just to help navigate through the chaotic, how much is, is happening, how much is changing, and, and help shortlist the things that really matter and you know you should take a look at. It doesn't mean you always should invest. I mean, every organization is a different place, but at least have a deliberate response, right? Doing nothing can be strategic if it's intentionally under undertaken. So you know, that as a tool to help a CIO have a different kind of discussion, uh, spawn new investments, it continues to be really useful. The In the last several years, especially this year, you know, the elevation of technology in the C-suite, you know, in the board has made it so it's equally important to help arm the business, quote unquote, right, the rest of the leadership team to be savvier in technology. So use tech trends as a bit of a guidepost of, hey, what questions should we be asking? Maybe more optimistically, what ambitions should we be trying to spark? Um, and what's great is in this year, even as the world turned upside down, um, it hasn't dampened the enthusiasm to say, we need to invest for growth. We need to invest for innovation. And it's also in a way ended the debate of whether or not technology really does belong in that top strategic frame, you know, absolutely emphasize, underline, there's no question now. When should we invest? How should we invest? What has your research taught you? The agility a lot of organizations were able to show when they had to, including Deloitte Zone. We went from 300,000 people working at client sites, working at delivery centers, working from offices to 100% being remote, virtual over the course of seven days. And our CIO, as we tried to give him accolades for the heroics, what what was great is you know partially him saying, "Listen, this was this was all the investments I've been making and fighting for over the years, paying off, right?" So so it, it wasn't like in in the week we miraculously were able to to pull this off, but also the pace of our ability to go and stand up, you know the. Uh, small business loans and the payroll protection that went from policy to funding. And we had to have it within weeks for banks to help them process it. 
or now Operation Warp Speed and the vaccine, like the ability for us to drive change in, in a time frame that would have seemed impossible, we've challenged a lot of those constraints. The flip side is in, the, in this last year, the ability for most client CIOs, tech execs to focus, to just shut down everything that wasn't critical and have that laser light focus on the things that were needed to respond and to recover and now to thrive. Like that, that was empowering. And so, you know, as you say, when to invest now, part of the question is how do you not lose the new muscle, the new speed that, you know, in this moment of necessity, we've proven we can do as we take on more, it, you know, and it, it varies sector to sector, depending on where you are in the recovery stream. But, um, you know, we won't have that same luxury of shutting down so much as we take on more and more. And I think the, there's many of the trends are kind of in the heart of like, how do we think about the foundational investments we need? Because we know there's more, more to be done. So we can dig into a few of those if you want. But I just love that. Yeah. There's a message of hope and what we've proven we can do now um, and how important it is. Now let's go after it. How can CIOs invest for innovation? If we look historically, the amount of money that CIOs invest in innovation versus in, can we say, maintaining the status quo, you know. Yeah. And one of the trends is, and we'll start last and first out on core revival is, is its own trend, which if you think a tech trends report has to be a parade of shiny objects, you might say, wow, that's an interesting place for to start. But this idea of we have to get out of the, 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 the feeling of the sort of Damocles hanging over us with our core systems that we can't do the things we need to do to innovate and grow. And the ability to elevate that into a very business, very strategic conversation, including how do we think about funding it differently? So the relationship of the CIO and the CFO on, hey, how do we make the necessary foundational investments you know, and make sure we've got a portfolio lens and in investing in the horizon, you know, the, 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 the things that are driving adjacent transformational growth and, and not have the same expectations for ROI and timing. And so, you know, truly handle as a portfolio mix, but that core, the story of the core, like how do we advance the migration to the cloud? How do we simplify uh, a lot of the legacy systems that are around us? How do we make them open, interoperable, able to be the backbone to drive more front office, you know, customer facing new products and, and services offerings. Like that is such an important conversation. And I just had a collection of board members together with CIOs this week for CES. And we were talking about how, how successfully has that been elevated to understand why and to get support for, 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 for what. And, and it was almost every hand went up saying, yep, that's something that's, on our agenda, we're actively making investments in it. And so, and, and, and what I love is you can't talk about innovation and growth without having that. In a way, the back office is the new front office that you can't think about smart factories and how do we automate drug discovery and distribution without having some of the deep work done in the in the foundation. But there's now, as there always has been, there's the even stronger need to link the innovation ideas and innovation plan and aspiration to what's actually going on in the business. It's not science fair projects um, 
off in in labs and, and waiting for eureka moments. It's the idea of intentionally sensing, scouting, shaping strategy. You know, so we have a team that all they do is engage with ecosystem startups and VCs and PEs and academia to be able to bring ideas into the business. And then more importantly, how do we incubate with with the goal to scale? You know, not not the goal to do a prototype that is interesting but not useful, right? Like how do we how do we actually is is this intentionality to the innovation process uh, that has to be rooted in business problem? Lead with need, right? That's that's the missing link to a lot of innovation. You know, it's not interesting technology and potential whiz bangery. It's let's identify unmet need. And if we can imagine, then we can actually cobble together a solution to do it right. Um, and, and again, not to pilot, but to production. How do we how do we really ramp it up and scale it? What recommendations do you have for CIOs to do this? And 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 at the same time, what are the the kind of challenges or the headwinds that CIOs face when they attempt to to take on this type of role and set of activities? The tech executive has to be seen as a part of shaping that strategy. Like if, if the lines have been drawn and a CIO is nothing but the technology voice of record and the operational expert, you know, but but the back office CIO, it's it's always going to be hard to show up and and be heard differently. So part of this is help elevating, hey, as technology elevates the strategy, so does the role of the technology executive. Like we have to have a it doesn't mean it's the dominant voice that owns strategy, but it's a it's a you know a, a very active voice. And then the how uh, one of the first trends in the report this year is around strategy engineered, which is about the chief strategy officer and setting up technology to help with some of that sensing, scouting, you know, uh, scenario planning, but also understanding that the innovation function of understanding what's coming next and how it applies to your organization, your business, your market, uh, and then being able to craft the right investments to go and prove it, right? We, we, we don't need uh, PowerPoints and perspectives. Like we need assets and progress. <laughs> so progress over process. And, but, but in that, there's, there's an untapped need. You know, and, and last year we had a trend that talked about the relationship with the CFO and the CIO and how that's changing and, and thinking about funding and allocation and scheduling and, and that portfolio return. I think this with the CSO is a is a really important way just to, to formalize the new normal of the technology voice has to be an important part of shaping the strategy and future of, of your organization. Bill, in order to accomplish these these types of goals, don't you need to have you need to have the the right people in place as well as the right organizational environment? Because aren't you really you're really talking about in a way the cutting edge of innovation for the CIO role? I would say to a person, it was some combination of team and culture, uh, and how do we continue to navigate through this time we're in and what whatever the new normal looks like? So there's actually three trends in the report that hit different dimensions of this, that I think come together beautifully. Uh, there's one around the digital workforce uh, and rebooting the digital workforce, which is the, how do we think about uh, how people are engaging now? 
especially your deep technologists? How do we understand the flexibility that is suddenly unlocked? How do we tap into that? The, the ability to actually understand at a very personal level, um, you know, how you work, what motivates you, spur some of the things that we're used to in a physical setting as far as connectivity. And there, there's a ton of interesting technology behind the scenes. But then it, it also is about what's the culture of embedding technology, you know, from education, tech savvy, tech fluency across the, the teams to the deep, you know, how do we actually help our people learn new technology deeply like machine learning and neural nets and up to quantum computing. So there's a, that one's really interesting. It's really about the individual. Then there's another that's bespoke for billions, which you kind of have to decode what that title means, but it's about the physical and the digital with a heavy emphasis on work and workplace and how the, the new configuration is going to still have face-to-face -face is a really important element. But instead of it being all of my workforce all the time in headquarters is thinking about, well, what, what other type of space interaction do we want to be able to cultivate? Um, and then you put it out into retailers and banks and, you know, it has a client lens too. Of how do we really think about, um, and it's, it's likely going to have more of an emphasis on deep collaboration versus individual work zone, you know? And so, so those two come together and, and I think it, it could be interesting if that becomes, you know, we say there's a war on talent, but what are the trenches that those wars being fought on? You know, how much we embrace this dynamic and how much we create the infrastructure, you know, which is the physical infrastructure, it's the technology tools, it's the incentive, talent model structures, all of those have come together. You know, what, what used to be a stock fridge full of uh, craft beer and food suddenly might become the flexibility to work wherever you can with the places that you come together with being something completely unique and different. Um, and, and then the third one, which is near to my heart, is the DEI and, and how do we actually create tools um, and, and programs to make progress on something that you know, people respect. It's, it's fantastic. It's such a part of the dialogue. But then how do you take that ambition and translate it into a actionable plans of progress? That's, that's the third flavor. And I think those will come together to define the workforce of the future. Simone Joe Moore on LinkedIn Asks, makes the comment that even in an agile organization, she says there's effort and deep work required. And sometimes it seems that organizations don't understand this and their attempts at agility are really just on the surface. Agility is the goal is a fantastic thing. Uh, either sometimes it's, you know, that's the, that's the rallying cry without real change that happens that, that, is common, you know, or in, in over-indexing onto a specific dogma, you know, capital A agile in the manifesto and what that needs to look like. Um, the way I measure it is, you know, how do teams come together and how are they working beyond the, the, the boundaries, the walls, the silos of their, you know, if I walk into a scrum team and I ask who's from the business and who's from IT, and they look at me like you just spoke nonsense, um, that's a good sign, you know. The other thing is people get over uh, enamored with the tools themselves to drive collaboration. Uh, and, you know, there's plus and minuses of all the different collaboration, productivity, engagement tools out there. None of them 
you know, to me, this is literally about culture, about talent model incentive paths. Um, and, and if our goal is we want, you know, agile, we want to do things faster. We want to get to value faster. We want to understand to, to potentially pivot or, or, or stop what we're doing fast. Like that's, that's very different than, um, some rigid, rigid ceremonies and tool-based processes. So I love the, so thanks for the question. I love it. Where should CIOs be investing during this coming year? The trinity of cloud AI and cyber still hold true. There's a piece in the in the report up front around macro forces where we try to just talk about the biggest thing that matter, you know, now, now, new and next. You know, so that combination of cloud AI and and cyber, um, the making the, the part of this back to the cultural. The investments that we need to do to be able to take full advantage of those macro forces. DevOps evolved into DevSecOps. We have a trend this year about MLOps because it's really bringing together cloud, cyber, and AI to say we expect the solutions that we're building, the things we're bringing to market, to have flavors of those, uh, all three. And so how do we actually be intentional about the life cycle, about the pipeline, about how people work um, and make that something that can be a bit democratized, more people can participate and we can actually industrialize. And so we have automation, tooling, controls, policies built into the end to end. So so take the you know full potential of clouds, AI and cyber, and then make it real into this one, two punch of, you know, ML ops is the embodiment of DevOps, DevSecOps and ML ops. And then there's another trend around the machine data revolution, which is the data management. Like, how do we get our arms around uh, ingesting, classifying, managing, governing uh, data? And data that is coming from a lot of different sources we never really worried about before, sensors and video and audio and image and third party. But then also where, um, Michael, the dirty secret of data management over the years is there's always a bias that there's a, a carbon-based life form who was the prime actor we were trying to make this data ready for. Like, it, it, make it consumable, understandable by humans. And increasingly, there's a lot of data where the primary actor is going to be a machine. And it turns out the structure we need to make sense of it is different. And it doesn't mean the human element isn't important. We have to be able to explain and make transparent the decisions we're making in AI. But, you know, it's been something that's been a challenge forever. It's no longer a choice. We got to invest in that core data. And so if the first one is cloud AI and cyber and this DevOps, MLOps, to be able to say we have the engine to go take advantage of those forces, this one of data management and that core is needs to be top of the agenda, right? Now, give, just humor me for one second. The other piece is the horizon next that we think are gonna matter, uh, if not now, then really soon. So 5G and Edge, not from a consumer, I can download the entirety of the Sopranos in, in 30 seconds. That's interesting, um, especially once we start traveling again. But the protocol and the enterprise connectivity that allow us to do things we could never do before at an individual product level or at a facility or a fleet. So 5G Edge, massive potential. Hardware-driven AI supercomputing, massive potential that's here uh, and seeing great advances. 
advanced robotics, depending on your industry, physical robotics, and moving it out of a confined shop floor, um, how does that translate from drones to autonomous fleets and vehicles? And then quantum, we've got teams deeply uh, in, in, in inventing, investing, incubating quantum computing, which is a little bit further out than the other ones I just said, but it's, it's going to be real, especially in things like drug discovery, in portfolio management, in financial services, in, in, you know, and those are just the easy ones that we can say, hey, we recognize the types of problems it's ideal for from today's paradigm. We can apply it to quantum. There will be a whole set of new use cases that get invented that wouldn't have been possible without. It doesn't mean quantum replaces cloud, replaces distributed systems, but it means it's a really important new tool. So the, that last category of all of those emerging things, you as, an, you as a leader need to be confident in what's real now, how important it might be tomorrow, and then backcast in what level of investment is appropriate. And that might be in your own shop, or it might be making some really important strategic partnerships with individual technology providers or firms like Deloitte or uh, startups or elsewhere. But you know, how do you arm yourself so you're not beholden to the opinion of uh, product marketing <laughs> hype cycle, you know, this is the weakest CES. So you see a lot of headlines and never see fruition. That's, you don't want hand-waving potential and rhetoric. We need to get the real concrete, what matters and what do you do now? Bill, it seems very easy in a way to talk about technology investments because it's so concrete, but to realize the benefit of those technology investments also requires investments in talent in organizational structure and resiliency. So maybe talk to about those issues with us. I would say the scarcity of engineering architecture, you know, and then specialists in those emerging areas that are coming uh, is real. And so part of it is how do you think through recruiting the beacon you have of how important technology is to your business uh, and how that's showing up. And if it continues to be kind of a back office uh, operational excellence type of uh, a posturing, it's going to be hard to get any of the people that you need. But you also have a lot of talent on the books already that probably have a deep interest in exploring some of these spaces. So how do you harness that? You know, how do you shape it? In Deloitte, we've got, we call them the guild programs. Uh, it was a you know idea over a scotch one night and asked the team to come up with a better name, but it was structured after the medieval guilds to say, we want, you know, for topics that we know we need more people. So from neural net, deep ML to cloud native development to, you know, now blockchain and quantum, it's the clubhouse of people that are interested. They might not have any background or expertise, and they might be doing something completely different in their day job. They might be a tax professional, right? They might be uh, someone in our infrastructure group, in our internal IT group, but to let them raise their hand and say, I'm a, I'm a quantum enthusiast. And then how do we guide them to uh, becoming a guru? Uh, so, you know, certification program and, and experience. And I think that's something that every organization could try to co-opt. I mentioned tech savvy, tech fluency before. How do you raise the, especially in the business, how do you get people understanding why this matters and how to lean in and help. 
And then, you know, the people throw around ecosystem as a lazy word, but it's a really important one. Uh, I think it was Bill Joy years and years ago who said for Sun, no matter who you are, more smart people don't work for you than that do. You know, he probably said it more poetically than that, but uh, and that still holds true. So how do you tap into, you know, instead of thinking about vendors, thinking about partners, how do you think about non, non-traditional relationships? Um, and it could be consortia, it could be co-investment. Um, like you need to tap different. And then, and then once you're thinking about it, like in Deloitte, it used to be uh, a, a behavioral interview and a case interview and only certain schools with this GPA, with these majors, and for a lot of our roles, we're shifting to, I want to see your GitHub repository. I, I want to know what you can do, not what you've heard or not what you've. And so, and it means going to different campuses. It means going to different potential sources of talent. And then once they're here, how do you make sure you're celebrating uh, that culture? Because, um, you know, even if you can get them, getting them to stay and flourish it needs to be a core part of what you value and how you show it. The at CXO talk Twitter account, Elizabeth Shaw asks this very good question. She says the report identifies diversity, equity, and inclusion as a prime area. These are not technologies. How do they factor into CIO investment strategies? They're a key part of innovation. And we've done study after study to prove that getting diverse actors helping shape uh, innovation agenda absolutely pays off in every kind of way. But the 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 point of the report is this, is to show tools that can be used. You know, so we're not doing a one-off annual uh, report out on diversity of workforce. Uh, actually, to, to to be able to track and nudge and shape the behavior we want from team composition to making sure we've got uh, a a challenge board on AI models that are looking for bias, you know, conscious or not. Uh, So it it tries to to take something that's really important and shine a light on some technology, you know, some tactical things we can be doing to advance the mission and also just elevate, if we believe tech and innovation are at their heart of strategy, then doing it without a diverse uh, team is going to be suboptimal in every way. You know, and flip side, how can we use tech to make a real dent in something that's been systemic for way too long? And we have another question from LinkedIn. And Jennifer Cox has a very specific question. You can see I try to prioritize the questions that come in. Oftentimes, they're great. So Jennifer, Jennifer Cox says, what does the future of... AR, augmented reality, look like? Will it continue to grow? If you look in the report, there's a nice, it looks like a Star Wars opening crawl of the 12 years of tech trends research. And at the top, we categorize them in these macro forces. One of those macro forces is digital reality. And that's where we put uh, AR and VR and mixed reality. And, And those continue to advance. The technologies themselves mature and new form factors evolve. The, the broader definition includes conversational voice. So voice-driven interface. It includes computer vision. You know, so vision systems that can actually watch a production line and see if there's a defect without having a... In that, that bigger category, we're beyond bullish on. 
And it says, how do you bring the ingredients together? You know, and by the way, they're probably going to be built along with AI and cloud. And uh, but to to think about different experiences and different engagement patterns. So for AR, you know, huge potential in field service to be able to help guide uh, repairs, to help do diagnostics. You know, beyond what an individual maybe has been certified in, uh, something we love. AR from a, a actual sales and marketing. If you look back last year, Deloitte had the U.S. Open golf tournament where you could. Um, actually have the course AR with the Android iOS device on your coffee table and see the, the layout of the holes and actually click in and see a visualization of um, just a different way to experience the event. Um, and so there's a ton of potential individually, that collective, which would include more than just the spatial computing and devices, uh, were beyond bullish in. Let's go to another question from LinkedIn. Simone Joe Moore not only likes your guitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that has not gone unnoticed. And she and she actually and she wants you to play, but you know, we'll leave that up to you. And Simone Oh, okay. Go go read your read your question and see if I can just have something strumming in the background. All right. I love it. Uh okay. So Simone asks about. No, I. Go ahead. You you go. No no go. You ask. I, I I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. You didn't. No, I'm. All right. Simone asks about uh, emotional AI and ethical AI, and the ethics are so sticky. She says, Does, "Do CIOs need to be concerned about this as they're thinking I, I about think investment?" The emotional AI is a great segue into this broader symbolic AI and what we call exponential intelligence and, and where we're seeing this new, how do we layer in uh, not just who you are, uh, the context of, of what you've done in your relationship, but also in some way to understand emotional uh, state, either through you know cameras that can see from your facial expression to if you have sensors and things. Like there's a ton of potential uh, in that space and call it emotive intelligence and call it now, the question of where you draw a line um, is is really important there. And so that ethics, you know, we have a broad category we call risk, which is security and privacy is a clear line. Regulatory compliance is a clear line. But then this ethics and morality of uh, just because we can, should we? And what's our obligation to our people, to our community, to our customers, um, to our society, right? That's... Uh, the, the question of our day. And I think that might be a place that you continue to see brand lines being drawn on their position there. Uh, and tactically, uh, like I mentioned before, around DevOps and DevSecOps and MLOps, embedding that in the thinking of investment and opportunity is needed. And we've got to create some guideposts. We've got to create some policies. Um, but it's not going to be, I mean, ethics, there's no... You can't solve for ethics. You can explore and understand and commit yourself to, but there's never going to be black and white uh, like there are for regulatory compliance, security, and privacy. It's a lot easier to do. Um, okay. Uh, go ahead. Go. No, I'm just going to put it away, Michael. We can't do this. Okay. I used to play Blackbird for my kids when they were, it was like a lullaby. 
and my youngest just got a vinyl for Christmas, and I made sure she had a Beatles album as a part of the... Uh... Yes, yes, yes. Okay. All right. The role of the of the CIO in terms of customer experience. Any thoughts about that? If you follow a through line from before of the data investments needed, um, so much of the customer experience will continue to be um, predicated on you know, understanding of the customer. And it's shocking how many organizations don't own their customer master or aren't intentional about it. So I think this idea of how do you help uh, as we're thinking about data, importantly, from a product service offering customer lens, have that in the fore, uh, and then you know, help understand those unmet needs. I think that the biggest challenge with a lot of technology investments is we start with the institutional inertia of how we've always done something. And then we say, how do we take technology and make that better? But the same fundamental thinking applies. And so, you know, RPA continues to be a, a great uh, source of investment. But if you take a inefficient process and you put a bot on it, you've weaponized inefficiency in a way. Uh, so, you know, the, the real opportunity is to say, hey, look, let's take the combination of computer vision and uh, AR, VR, MR and personalized dynamic experiences powered by AI and then think about what a uh, new hospital or doctor experience would look like. You know, fundamentally different than today. We wouldn't go and replicate the same set of, of things. We could do them completely differently. In fact, we're seeing it happen, right? With remote medicine taking off this last year. But you, you have to challenge yourself to say, okay, here's all the ingredients. And maybe this is the kicker for the Tech Trends Report. They're all ingredients that we can use to either cook the stuff we've always done a different way or come up with entirely new recipes that are going to surprise and delight customers and or meet new needs that are unmet and or reinvent how business models, industries, how work is done. And, um, you know, I'm not, Deloitte's not, our team's not that interested in the former. There's some value to be had, but there's a pretty low ceiling on the value you can have in that. It's how do we really... You know, it sounds cliche, but how do we transform fill in the blank? Okay. Government, supply chains, finance, um, what digital business models mean to traditional companies. So anyway. Well, we have another question uh, from LinkedIn on this topic from Marguerite Johnson. And Marguerite asks... Does the report talk about digital, I assume she means digital transformation and the context of customer experience? And I'm very glad she, she asked that because that seems to be a, an important topic. And part of the, the, the joy and the challenge of doing a report year after year, sometimes when you've covered something and it feels like it's still complete from what you've covered in the past, you don't bring it forward. So there's a through line that would be the digital transformation. Like here's how we apply all these things to do something more. Uh, two years ago, we had one of the trends specifically on kind of demystifying digital transformation. Uh, and it's not just one of the important messages is not just customer and consumer. It includes the hooks into the back and mid office, but um, they're all still out. I think you can tell me if I'm being flippant, but we didn't make it a chapter because it's a through line theme. 
And we've done it as a spotlight a couple of years ago and it holds true. So if you can't find that, just hit me on LinkedIn. I'll send you a link to it for sure. What advice do you have for CIOs right now? We have a moment now because of this last year where there's a willingness to, I said elevate before, rethink the role of technology. There's a desire. We did a study with the Wall Street Journal asking 100 CEOs who they were looking for to help them kind of shape their technology agenda and strategy. And the 40% was the CIO, the tech executive, which was the largest response by far. And so there's this, this, this opportunity and I'd say an obligation for us to step up. Uh, and you know, I've never experienced a time when the things that were always sticking points of you know, those core investments, the data, you know, the, the things that have been hanging over us for so many years, there's a willingness to take a fresh look and say, we need to invest for real this time. And so you got this great, you know, stars aligning of leadership need, willingness to invest, and willingness to finally, you know, puncture the bubble of the reality distortion field that we've been in, that those things didn't matter, they weren't holding us back, and do something about it. So, um, you know, part of it, though, for CIOs and tech execs is we have to tell the story of how we want to show up differently and we need to help inspire, and I use that word very intentionally, we need to inspire that agenda. The good and the bad, the, the, the hero's journey of innovation and growth and the hard reality of the changes we have to make. And I, I am, I'm emphasizing a technology, but the culture through line is huge. The talent through line is huge. Like we have to solve for both. And you can't just pretend to chase the, the, the upside, the, the, innovation growth uh, hero story without actually taking on the responsibility of the, you know, and, and, and linking them together. <laughs> I used to say core modernization and data management is like paying to replace your plumbing. Uh, you know, has to be done. You don't want your walls to, to fall down because of leaking, but man, it's not something you look forward to when you're budgeting for the year. So how do we put some hot tubs, uh, <laughs> some steam baths, some saunas, some water slides in as well uh, along the way. Yeah. So how should CIOs tell this story, this inspirational story? And it's also aspirational. And I also wonder how many CIOs quite frankly, have the chops to execute beyond the story. Part of it is just being able to actually quantify some of the things that they're all over. They just don't roll up in a way that makes a, a through line, a narrative that the rest of the organization can understand. So just dispositioning existing spend into some, some categories to be able to show how because you know, the tension is we spend too much money and we don't get enough out of it. Well, let's actually show you what we're spending on. Let's, let's quantify technical debt. Let's try to put a dollar amount on the complexity, the pain, the cost of maintenance that we all know is real, but it never shows up in a line item. So it holds us back. You know, it's, it's friction and gravity that we can't quite get our hands. Right. So 
actually measure measure it. it doesn't have to be precise just directional uh and then it's it's funny how few organizations actually have kind of a tech strategy written down to help be their walk around narrative with with those pieces and and starting with what we're doing today and having some kind of picture of what we should be doing tomorrow like I know that sounds it's it's not meant to be a commercial of you know call a Deloitte to help create that tech strategy. That's not the point. It's the can you tell the narrative of the value you're creating? And ultimately what you want is to shift from, hey, tech is something we have to constantly fight to squeeze the budget and say, like a few of our clients will say, your technology investments are the best return on capital in the entire organization portfolio more than any of our treasury function, more than any of our new business lines, more than any of our marketing spend, that we can show you how the technology investment has real return and you should be in the business of giving you know, giving us more, to do more. Arsalan Khan on Twitter makes the comment that when technology is implemented well, it's scary for the status quo. But that's a good thing from an innovation standpoint. I used to say AI, the definition of AI is whatever we can't imagine computers doing, and it evolves every day. Um, and you, you're right. Technology seems like um, you know, magic. Um, to, but the, the, I'd, I'd switch out the allowing us to do things fundamentally differently and reinventing from the scary bit of, and what do I do now? Where does the carbon-based life form fit in this silicon-based uh, normal? And and one of the emphasis we have is the age of with, not W-I-D-T-H, but W-I-T-H, right? And it's this idea of augmenting, shifting work from rote repetitive tasks that nobody wants to do you know, into something much different. And you know, I think that's another obligation. Go back to the ethics and morality. How do we think about our people and you know, their future uh, purpose, passion, mission, employability across? Uh, the best organizations are making dramatic investments in technology and they're giving a path for their people to be a part of that, that journey. What does some of these things really have to do with the CIO? The CIO should be a voice of this entire conversation. And I think the question of, is it as a champion? It is, is it as a strategist? Is, it, is the CIO, is, is she showing up as an architect of, of them? It might differ depending on the topic, the mixing board we're talking through here. But um, you know, when, if you wanna see technology, like the, the trends be individual piece part technologies, that macro tech forces view is a good one. And we've got different lenses that just track what, what I, th I think what you see is these topics are more of a abstraction and derivative of the individual tech advances to say, you know, how do we harness them collectively? And the CIO needs to be one. Again, it's not the sole owner of that agenda, but they should be looked at as the leader that they are. They are the technology leader of the organization. And how do you show up and represent? Um, just a final thought on Michael. The other piece is, I know we covered a lot of ground and none of my clients are taking on all of this at once. So, you know, 
These are all places that potentially could be ripe for opportunity. Uh, my favorite quote of all time is Lord Michaels from Saturday Night Live, the producer of Saturday Night Live. And it's, we don't go on because we're ready. We go on because it's 1130, right? Live from New York, it's Saturday night. If we've got a script, if we've got a set, if we've got a host, we're going. And, and what COVID's given us is a bit of urgency to that focus bit. Like we've seen so much get done. And so how do we create that kind of um, impetus going forward? Uh, second favorite quote is Duke Ellington. I don't need time. I need deadlines. And you can maybe imagine I, I might be a bit of a tyrant to work for sometimes because it's let's, let's make bold ambitions and go after them. We can plot, we can roadmap, we can plan, we can strategize uh, ultimately until you actually, it's all potential energy until you actually do something. So let's go. Bill Briggs, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. Thanks, Michael. Great to be here. Everybody. We've been talking with Bill Briggs. He's the global chief technology officer of Deloitte. You can find the Tech Trends 2021 report. We'll put a link on the CXO Talk site or just search for it. We have great shows coming up. Before you go, subscribe to our YouTube channel and tell your friends and hit the subscribe button at the top of the CXO Talk website so you can get our really good newsletter. Thanks a lot, everybody. I hope you have a great day and uh, check out CXOTalk.com and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.